will find you. And I will kill you. Oh, I am the walrus. Shut the fuck up, Donnie. The greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist. What we've got here is failure to communicate. Mrs. Robinson, you're trying to seduce me. <laughs> Aren't you? Was it over when the Germans bombed Pearl Harbor? Hell no! Just been revoked. Open the pod bay doors, Tom. I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. You want answers! I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! Because it is my name! I see Dave. Today, Junior? You ever dance with the devil in the pale of your mind? What? You'll shoot your eye out, kid. Like scary. Uh huh. What's your favorite scary? The price is wrong, bitch. Welcome to Critics Not Cynics, the podcast that tries to prove that you can be a critic without being a cynic. And this week, again, we are back as we uh, obviously um, took a little bit of a break there from, uh, for at least for a week. Uh, We're back with episodes three and four review for Hawkeye. Just letting play out here. Just start getting that down. And as always, I am joined by Leslie. Leslie, how's it going? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing all right. Uh, still learning. Still learning a little bit with OBS there. Uh, so yes, we're we're back this week. Um, as as I said in the live stream of the ascent that we did uh, with Johnny, we had a weird gap of where you and I were talking, and like Pat and I were talking. We're like, we have nothing cover this week <laughs> so we, uh, we took we took a little break uh we didn't have anything like super planned or anything for that and it was nice you know no one weekend to kind of just do the live stream and and not have to worry about editing any material but um we're back um and i think next week we'll have some form of a spider-man review out for everyone and hopefully leslie will get a chance to join us but Maybe not. We'll see how her schedule goes. I know she's got a pretty crazy one here. Um, So let's just go ahead and dive into it. Little little, um, forewarning and precursor to to this review. Uh, We're not really treating this as kind of two individual episodes because they pretty much bookmark each other or bookend each other rather uh, very well. Um, that it's kind of hard to differentiate where one leaves off and the other one starts because they really kind of run into each other. Um, and of course, spoilers, um, more spoilers specifically for episode four than episode three, since episode three has been out for a while, but just get that out there, uh, since we're talking about the plot and the story details. So, um, again, I, I know we try to structure our reviews, uh, but with TV shows, it's a little bit harder, especially depending on, you know, when someone watched what and, and what our memories have retained from information. So for a little scattershot, that's, uh, that's, that's probably my fault more than Leslie's. Um, so, all right. Episode three, yeah. uh, which what echoes, echoes um, yeah. 
very good episode in general. Uh, I liked it. Uh, it had um, probably out of the two episodes, I think I had a little bit more issues with episode four than episode three. Not anything that breaks the show for me or anything like that, but just some little nitpicks. Uh, one thing I said before we started recording, if they had maybe just combined these two episodes into one big episode or maybe shortened uh, episode three and front-loaded episode four with a few more minutes of the end of episode three. Uh, it may have, may have evened out a little bit better. Um, but this episode's a very fun episode. Um, very yes. action-packed. I, I think uh, a lot of criticisms I heard of the first two episodes were that uh, it wasn't stuff that they were seeing in the trailers, like primarily the car chase scenes and some more archery focused um, action packed. Well, yeah, like he's an he's an archer character. People want to see people, you know, shoot arrows and, right. and things. So right, and uh, so I th- I think that was kind of their complaint, and I th- I think this episode obviously alleviates it. It's a little bit more action heavy. Uh, a lot of fight choreography and because uh, it's it's an episode that when I started, I'm like, OK, it's 42 minutes. And then I got to the end and I'm like, it's that's it. It's over. Like, yeah, yeah it, it moved so quickly and not in a negative way. It, it was just it had me so into what was happening on the screen uh, that I I just didn't realize the time had passed. Yeah. And I like that episode three, um, I feel like establishing characters as we go. So like we said, episode one was like really focused on Kate. Episode two looked at Clint. Episode three starts right out, like um, telling us about Maya and her um, backstory. So it doesn't look like a widow backstory, but you know, that's fine. Yeah. That was like a low priority prediction. Well, and stick around for predictions. And and considering uh, with what we get in episode four. Right. Right. So I actually like that. I believe I, I don't know which article that I read, but that, they wanted a deaf actress mm-hmm. who, and she just so happened to have a prosthetic leg yep. and they just built that into the character for her instead of like, you know, trying to work around it or hide it or things like that. So I like that they did that, you know, that they didn't uh, hide away from, from that. Yeah. And, um, I, this is, uh, this first, this is this actress's, uh, I, I'm sorry, I don't have her name right. I'm from me. Uh, I, Alakwa Cox. If I've, I'm no, I'm butchering that. So I don't apologies. Um, but uh, this, I think, is like her first first role um, in, in any acting role in any gig. And I thought she did fantastic. You know, yeah. a lot. She did really well with emoting. Uh, and when she's signing, like having her face match the emotion she was trying to convey through sign. And uh, so I think she is she blew me away because, um, I mean, when you get at the end of episode two, you only get that one little scene with her where she, you know, brushes him off and that's it. Yeah. So we have no idea who she is, why she's got this, um, you know, uh, be in her bonnet for for uh, Ronin. And right. this episode does a really good job. So not only being Maya focused, because we get a lot of kind of her backstory and her motivation for why she's coming after Ronin, mm-hmm. but also doing what we thought it would do, showing more of a mixed Clint and Kate relationship developing. Um, And because like, even when he manages to get off the the horse, she thinks he's abandoned her and yet he's like (laughs) getting everything. And then he does that really cool, precise arrow shot. And she's like, Oh, (laughs) yeah. 
Oh God! So yeah, uh, I I can't remember if I've mentioned uh, this movie in the prior episode of the podcast, but uh, I know I told you about it. The movie Tag, uh, yeah. Jeremy Renner is in it, and that ball pit scene is very reminiscent of Tag. Just like this most ridiculous set piece played so seriously, it, and it, just how you can enjoy the fact that it's a man that is stealthily going through a ball pit and the you know two guys not knowing where he is and him coming up like rambo and and uh pinning them to the sides of it it was just very very funny and very yeah. well done um well um go ahead. before we skip too far into the episodes mm-hmm. though when we are getting um maya's backstory if you pay close attention you notice her dad's wearing a track suit yes <laughs> so yes. that's one hint that you get but when she's at her karate classes I think everybody and their brother who's into the Marvel Defenders, the Netflix shows and mm-hmm. stuff, all went, <gasps> is that who we think it is? When they said, uncle's going to take you home, you know, and you see his his cufflink or whatever, you know, and he pinches her cheek and it kind of sounds like, maybe that's Kingpin? Yeah, yeah. You we, know? We, 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 we don't know. But considering the, the recent news that Feige has uh, pretty much stated that if, when, and where, and how Daredevil uh, enters into the MCU, it will be Charlie Cox from the Netflix shows. So there's also holding out that hope that Vincent D'Onofrio will be allowed to return as Kingpin because his Kingpin is fantastic. And that's one of the detriments of um, the Netflix shows. Not to derail into those a little bit, but I know you asked the very interesting question of, Will they be multiversal or what? Yeah. Like, or are they going to retroactively say that they're actually a part of the MCU? Yeah. So, like, once you know, Kevin Feige had said that, uh, you know, because before he had very clearly stated they are not part of the canon, right? And I'm like, oh, well, now that you yeah. have the whole multiverse thing going on, can you retroactively say, okay, they're part of the canon now, but it's a multiverse? So the characters are similar that are in the main line, but not entirely the same. So you can you can still get money and whatnot and everything from those shows, even though you're probably not going to continue them right. or continue them in that same way. You know, like or are they going to bring them in? I don't know if they would bring them in 100 percent, but it'd be real easy for him to be like, oh, well, you know. It's a multiverse. Well, so, because this was, uh, and I, I think I told you this a few years ago, um, primarily when Luke Cage season two had premiered on Netflix, um, because it was kind of an issue I had with the Netflix shows and whether or not, because they originally were planned to be part of the MCU. Because if you go into season one of Daredevil, they're referencing Thor, they're referencing Iron Man, uh, and then those references go away <laughs> you know yeah. but um the only thing that become is like a staple of a reference within the netflix marvel shows is the battle of new york so my guess is if they want to envelop those and keep you know uh, mike coulter and um kristen ritter and and all of them that were in the in the netflix shows uh and and fold them over into the actual mainline mcu they just need to say because I was always wondering. Well, when you know, have they reached the Sokovia Accords yet? Like, has Ultron yeah. uh, attacked or anything? Because <laughs> that's never mentioned. So, if you say that the Netflix shows all take place between in between Battle of New York 
and before Age of Ultron, you know, there's some little references to like actual live action shows like uh, This Is Us is referenced in in season two of Luke Cage, which was what bothered me because I'm like, well, you're not telling me when you're actually setting these. And This Is Us is a current day show rather than, you know, it being back when Avengers happens. Um, how you would necessarily rectify it, but it's it would be their easiest way to say those shows all take place before Age of Ultron, and then anything that happens once now they're officially enfolded into the MCU will be post and up to date and current. So we'll see what route they take. Uh, you know, it, it's a uh, it's going to be interesting. I'm just very happy to hear that because. I think Charlie did a great job as Matt and uh, I liked a lot of the people they had for the Netflix shows. I think they all did a a fantastic job. Even um, uh, Finn, what's his name, uh, who was in uh, Game of Thrones who played Danny Rand. I know a lot of people weren't thrilled with his performance, but I thought he was fine. Uh, But that's a a conversation for another day. We'll get back on track here with... uh, (laughs) With the the Hawkeyes episodes. Yeah, that was just definitely something that everybody, you know, watching, you know, latched onto that. And they were like, is that, it's Kingpin, you know, and everybody's oohing and on and freaking out. So uh, then, of course, you know, also in Maya's flashback, we we see that Ronan, you know, kills her father. And that is why she is on her revenge path. Um, I also like, oh, go ahead. No, you're fine. I was just thinking, like. I don't know if it necessarily makes her purely villain now because, I mean, that's a really good reason to hate somebody. Right. Is, you know, this person, Ronan, even though she doesn't know who it is, killed her dad. That's, I mean, she was a child. Maybe at the the point that she was young adult, does she know more about, you know, the criminal activity that they do? Right. You know, but you killed my dad is a pretty darn good reason to be like on the war path hunting somebody. Well, considering she's going to have her own show um, yeah. here down the road, I think she might come along the lines of maybe being a little bit of an anti-hero um, yeah. where she's, she's a good guy sort of, but you know, a venom, you know, like what have you, where they, you know, they don't play by the rules, but they do try to help people because like, I don't get that. Um, that vibe off of her. I think she is just purely on to a straight revenge uh, path right yeah, now. Yeah, that's really which what it feels like. mirrors, like, I think that this will be something that will hopefully kind of come to fruition in episodes five and six, mirrors Ronin or Hawkeye's uh, path in, between Endgame and Infi- or Infinity War and Endgame. Well, that's interesting because I thought it mirrors a lot of, like, Nat's thing with needing revenge on, um, what's his name? Oh, uh, Drakov, Drakov. And, you know, and then finally getting to, of course, she does try to kill it and kills him. But, yeah. you know, Hawkeye having to make the call to not kill you. Yeah. Like, I thought there might be something there for them. So when we see Yelena, that might have an influence on her making the not shoot call sort of a thing. Could like be. seeing this, so, I don't know, just in, in, lots of interesting things playing yeah. out. Yeah, I think because I, I, I think it's it's a whole mirroring thing where like, you know, it's his family was taken. So he in turn not knowingly took her family, you know, the most yeah. important person in her life. And now she's on that kind of solitary mission. Uh, and, and I liked her um, her relationship with her second in command, Kazi. Um I, I really liked that, you know, not only is he a, her interpreter, because, like, that could simply be just what it is, 
but it's actually someone she trusts, even though she disregards what he says. Like he even goes, it's, you know, it's just us. You can talk to me, you know, and uh, yeah. no one else is going to know. And I'm trying to <laughs> not let you. Have learned it, so. <laughs> <laughs> and well, and trying not to let it consume her. Like he sees that it's consuming her. It's becoming her, her just, you know, only path that she's willing to travel. Whale. With. Yes. Exactly. Um, so I, there are a lot of those character moments that I, I think are, are perfect in this. Um, and, and in episode three, the again, the complaint being, oh, we didn't get to see him do a whole lot of actions, action-y sequences. We well, here it is. <laughs> Even though there is one very bad, and I don't know if you picked up on it, and just because I have my own green screen, there's one really bad green screen moment in that car chase. It's near the end of the chase, but I was just like, ooh. Ooh, you couldn't have uh, couldn't have fine tuned that just a little bit more. Um, but I think my favorite part out of that whole chase scene was the pim arrow. Yes. Because I was like, oh, that's cool. That's yeah, that's cool. It's funny. Every, it's awesome. Every reactor I watched when it got to that scene was like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like for anybody listening on audio, it's yeah. the oh my god face, yeah. just the wow. Yeah. It, uh, it was fantastic. Yeah, because one of the reactors I have watched, they said, you know, they were they were into it, but they were needing that little bit of more action, and that episode three gave them that, and they were just like, wow, you know, when that when they did the Pym arrow, they were like, that was the coolest thing I've ever seen. I don't know if they'd done that in the comics or not, but everybody was generally consensus that that was pretty darn cool. Yeah, it was it was it was awesome. It was I just I really enjoyed it. And of course, I also love the whole bit like when they're tr- when they escape and she wants to take the the uh, the charger or challenge charger or whatever. Challenge, yeah. And uh, and he's like, I'm, I'm not, not smashing the that. window <laughs> of that. And then by the end of it, he's like, and it still gets still destroyed. Yeah. <laughs> so it was really good. And then we get some really good uh, fun moments between Kate and Clint because his hearing aid gets destroyed. Uh, and she, they're having two very different conversations at the same time. And just that way. whole back and forth is, is really fantastic. And, and then pretty much the episode just kind of wraps up with... Um, them going to look more into the tracksuit mafia, uh, finding out what connections they have while also trying to look into Jack. Uh, she expresses her, her, uh, suspicions of Jack. And if you stuck around for Leslie's predictions for what's going to happen, I feel like they've planted a seed that she may be correct in that prediction and we won't reiterate it per se. Uh, but if you want to go check out our last episode and, uh, and skip to the end. end. Because um, there was a wink and a nod, basically, to what Leslie had said, where, you know, Clint's like, it seems a little too on the nose, but let's gather more evidence to prove yeah. what you're saying. Yeah, like, and, let's see what's going on. And then that's basically where the episode ends, like, you know. Well, because they're in the house. Right. And he hears something and goes to walk back the hall. And, of course, that's when we see the sword yep. at his throat. And then it, it just cuts. Right. So when we get to four, it picks up literally right there. Exactly. And that's why uh, these two kind of like go like right together. It could have been like one big episode. Absolutely. Or or they could have even gotten past the whole family conversation and cut it there and then picked up afterwards. That's what I'm saying. Like they kind of either shortchanged one or shortchanged the other and and thrown it on there uh, in reality, or they could have just meshed it together as one uh, one episode. But we get a nice yeah. little fun. Um, 
iteration like jack even fanboys a little bit uh when he's like oh the archer you know? the archer. <laughs> um and uh you know we get the little bit of interrogation from the mom um yeah. and also lending credence to my theory yes yes because she's and a there's little, a an- little sus yeah and there's another spot pretty much i feel like it's the scene when we go back to her like right after this mm-hmm. she's making a phone call Oh, yes, that's right. And yeah. because she makes that phone call, somebody shows up later. That's my guess. Right. Yes, you you are you are pretty much spot on on that. Um and, yeah, and I don't I don't think she calls her directly. I think no. I can't remember her name. The Contessa. Yeah, that's it. We'll Contessa. just call her the Contessa. Contessa. Yeah, she calls her. <laughs> yeah. That's why I'm uh, I'm like 100% she calls her and that's why well, you know, certain someone shows up. That would be interesting because that would bookmark with the post-credit scenes of Black Widow. Because could well, it be except for the weather? Except for the weather. So I feel like yeah, but they're in Ohio, and you you know Ohio well, is very true. weird she's with its shorts. Yeah, she's Russian. <laughs> that's true. This is cold. But who knows? Uh, I mean, it would it would kind of, or at least like with with that post-credit scene. And uh, then getting the phone call being like, you know, here, here he is. Here's here his location. he is. Yeah, that's what I um, felt like. So, was. you know, it could be either either or. And um, but yeah, it's it was that I actually had to kind of forgotten about that phone call. Um, but then yeah. this is kind of where I, I just watched it. So forgive me for like I didn't get a chance to rewatch it. But my mind goes a little bit fuzzy on on kind of the events that happen in between. I know Clint uh kind of is well, dealing with this hearing aid fix yes. they have breakfast they have uh, that she she tries to come issue. up with this costume and it's the original like hawkeye design with the h and everything. And, and i love his whole point of my wife would divorce me <laughs> <laughs> it was fantastic yeah, he tries to tell her a little bit there about like to get her to think about the things that you lose like the yeah. toll that something like that would have on you but she's still in that young gun well, you know. she's in that, you know, it's uh, the honeymoon phase. Yeah. It, it's very much like I'm I'm doing it. I'm here with my hero. Like, again, kind of approaching it from that young mindset of mm-hmm. I'm invincible. You yeah. know, like nothing's going to hurt me. I, I, I can take on the world. And, you know, we get some moments later on where it gets a little dire. And that's why Clint gets a little more overprotective, especially this episode does, I think, a really good job with dealing with his PSTD um PTSD. or ptsd sorry <laughs> it's been a long day been a long week um ptsd and uh he uh you know is flashing back to to nat and vormir um yeah. and and really having a difficult time dealing with that and opening up to a new partner um mm-hmm. which is that the, yeah that's the name of the episode is partners yeah, right partners yeah. um and it's really it really is focusing on that and uh he sends her on a little side mission to go uh meet the larpers yeah <laughs> recollect um, the arrows get the arrows and uh now i i know because they find out like sloan incorporated or whatever the the kind of whole co- a shell company that the tracksuit mafia is yeah, working he under had- He'd given that to Laura, to his right. wife, and then she sends him the text. And it turns out to be that uh, Jack Duquesne is the like CEO or whatever. Yeah, but while they get that while they're all the LARPers and everything are in the apartment. So while she's going to get the LARPers, that's when he talks to Kazi. Yeah. You know? And oh, he yes. Has that, yes. He has that, you know, get her to understand that it's a white whale. It's never yeah. going to happen. You know, you got to get her off this track and... 
I think he even alludes to like, you know, you don't want so-and-so to know what uncle, you know, oh, him yeah, to yeah. find out, yeah. you know, what's going on. Cause you're supposed to be keeping a low profile or whatever. And he, but he has that talk to him. And then of course, can I have my gun back? And he's nope. And he chucks it. <laughs> so like, while he's doing that, she's meeting the LARPers, right. which is great. I love that they're like exercising, but then he's like, I swall, you know, <laughs> so, with the staff and everything. Like it's fantastic. Yeah. And I feel like, Kate is a little, a little kind of like, this is ridiculous, but then it's like, Kate, you're wearing, you know, an outfit as well and also shooting arrows. Right, right. Well, I think she ends up like endearing, like falling in love with them a little bit and their enthusiasm. When they all come back to the apartment, like Grills is making snickerdoodles. She's trying on outfits with the Viking girl. (laughs) Right. You know, and that's when he, he gets the text from Laura about the Sloan ltd and whatnot and he's like we you know got something to do and she goes with him um before before we get for uh jump a little bit or before we go a little bit further in this episode i I, i'm i would be remiss if i don't talk about the one really uh emotional scene in episode three that i kind of forgot about and or or, yeah it was i believe it was episode three might have been episode four um where when he doesn't have the hearing aid and nate calls oh nate calls yeah and kate is there to kind of help interpret you know because he she knows he can't hear and he's trying you know trying to talk that was a fantastic scene yeah yeah uh, it was very really well done. very beautiful scene uh you know just again him trying to balance the family life while taking kind of responsibility for you know his actions for things i've done yeah, yeah. and uh and again kind of furthering on to trying to impart upon Kate the toll and the cost and what this could lead to if things go wrong. Uh, so I, I wanted to make sure we did highlight that, that moment because yeah. that was a very, very well done uh, scene, both very competently acted between Haley and uh, Jeremy Renner. Mm-hmm. Um, so getting back uh, on the, on the track. Well, is, there, is it a text or... about the, the, the company or was it the text about the watch? Maybe it was the watch. Well, I thought they talked about the watch. Well, but she, she gets, he, she asks him about the watch. Laura does. Yes. And then she tracks down the GPS on it and she sends him the address. This is where I'm getting a ping from it. Yes. Okay. And that's, and that's kind of what leads to the finale of, of the episode. Right. Right. Uh, Cause I, I, that was one thing I, I didn't quite catch and maybe I wasn't paying attention close enough. Uh, the watch is that Clint's watch like you know he said he told Kate it is a friend's watch that could reveal their identity so if he doesn't get the watch back it could be goodbye friend that's basically what he says okay so I don't know whose watch it is I saw a lot of people having theories of like is that Laura's watch somehow like how does she have all this information Mm -hmm. like she seems to be really plugged in I don't. I don't have really any theories about that. Yeah, because well, even um, when he picks it up, it, it it has a tag on it, and it says Avengers Compound or something like that on there. Yeah, they left. It's the same. T- it's the tag that was on it when they picked it up in episode one. Like, oh, I don't even sitting... remember in episode one. That's probably my issue. Oh yeah, they um, when the tracksuit guys first break in, you hear one guy saying like, look find the watch everything else is like superb like okay. you can steal other stuff but we got to find the watch and then when 
we go out to the guy who's throwing the bags into the truck and the horrible, horrible person who oh, kicks the dog in the face. That's right. He puts on the watch. Yeah, he he grabs the watch. He's yeah. oh, I found the watch, bro. You know. Yeah. Oh, I know. Then, I, trust me, I know who that guy is, and uh, I, I'm not a fan of him personally. Let's say it. Let's just say that. Um, so yeah, I know exactly who you're talking about, especially when you throw bro in there. Uh, and and Pat <laughs> Pat would be the other person who kind of knows knows what I'm talking about. Um, we won't go into that because it has nothing to do with the episode. But, okay, yeah, I well, had forgotten question, about the watch. The question would be, because it's obviously Maya who wants them to get the watch, mm-hmm. why did she want that watch in her search for Ronan? Yeah, so see, does that is that his watch? Is that somebody else's watch that she thought could lead her to Ronan? Right. Because it didn't look like she was started taking notes on Clint until the whole Clint Kate issue thing with the suit came up. Right. Um, so hopefully, um, because like I, you just have to think, is it is a Tony's watch that has information yeah, like, on it? Like, we, and well, but he said it would reveal someone's identity. So it's got to be somebody who's got a secret identity, alter ego. Right. So he retired. I think like this is where uh, this is where it's going to come up to be a little bit of, of the problems or, or concerns that I have, uh, which were primarily the concerns and, and problems I had with Falcon and Winter Soldier, but differently. Um, because I like Falcon and Winter Soldier fell apart completely on all story aspects. I don't think that Hawkeye's failing story-wise. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's done enough mystery. Uh, we've got three episodes left. Um, well, no, we've got two episodes left. Uh, two, five, yeah. five and six. Um, I think for the most part, the the central mystery it's setting up, I think it may reach satisfactory levels uh, and with maybe a few drop points where they might rush it or something like that. But I think ultimately the difference between it and Falcon winter soldier was Falcon and winter soldier failed to tell the compelling story it wanted to tell. And I think like this will succeed with maybe some faults um, that we'll have to kind of, well, some of it, I don't know if they're just going to leave right as a, because this is going to be a passing of the torch mini series where Jeremy Renner Hawkeye is going to step back and Kate Bishop Hawkeye is going to step forward and then going forward in the films and whatever, we're going to see her and not him. Like right. it's going to be his final sort of, we get to see him. He's, he's going to retire or like, I'll be your mentor and maybe he'll show up in like another sort of Avengers thing, but it's going to be her, you know, and he's going to retire and be with his kids on the farm and not have aching knees and right. burning back and, <laughs> you know, all that taping, taping and, uh, frozen vegetables all over <laughs> his body. Well, they were those were frozen drinks. Oh, that, that too. That, yeah, <laughs> that's right. Um, but yeah, that's like I I agree. I think like a lot of it might be what they're trying to set up for, whether or not they want to do like you said, like a, a spinoff Hawkeye show that's focused purely on Kate, um, or setting up for maybe another show down the road, um, which is kind of the stuff that we thought about what they were doing Falcon and Winter Soldier, but with no like season two announcement or anything like that. A lot of that stuff is just kind of left out there in the air. Although we got a Captain America four coming out at some point that might pick up some of those plot points again, but we didn't have that foreknowledge before. Now we don't have that foreknowledge here with Hawkeye, but knowing that Kate is a new character, that's going to have potential going forward. I think I feel more okay, I guess is, is the thing. Like, 
Well, that, and knowing that she has been in movies and whatnot before, yeah. it doesn't feel like a stretch that they could then have her in a movie. You know, right. some of the actors I know when they really wanted um, like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. actors to cross over, some of it was just that like there really is a they feel television versus not movie, right. you know, this level of acting and whatnot. Not all of them, but some. And it was like, this doesn't seem like a ridiculous stretch that she can go back and forth easily. Right. Absolutely. Well, even like with Yelena, um, as that's who right. our, our mystery mask assailant who shows up. And uh, I mean, as soon as she shows up, it should be very obvious who, who she is, especially when she starts doing the widow stings. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I think, too, like you said, there's a good compliment to Echo there. Yeah. And that he automatically thinks he's fighting Maya. So she's good. Yeah. Like to as to like reference her ability, she's good enough that he thought she was fighting her when he's fighting a black widow, Yelena. Right. So. Right. And um, and so I, I, I really kind of like that. But I, also my fear is how are they now that Yelena is here? And she, we've got two episodes left. How are we going to wrap up like her last little bit from Black Widow going into this? Like, granted, we didn't have much, you know, information-wise on on motivation in that post-credit scene or or what's going to drive her to go after Clint. But now she's here. Can yeah. we adequately wrap up a story or an arc in these two episodes without it feeling crammed uh, or rushed? Um, and knowing that she is going to be in more of the next episode, that's probably going to be okay. It's probably going to be handled fine. But I just don't want us to also sacrifice because we barely even mentioned the whole Duquesne thing. You know, like, yeah. that seemed to be the central mystery with episode one and two while also dealing with this Ronin kind of thing. But now the Ronin thing has really taken the step forward and we've forgotten about Duquesne. We've forgotten about the Bishop family dynamic there a little bit. Um, can we wrap that all up adequately with episodes five and six? And I think so, as long as they're not 40 minutes and 42 minutes. Um, because Yeah, we need some longer. They need 50 to be, a, yeah, 50 minutes. Because, like, well, I will say again, why these episodes, you know, complement each other is I think they did what they needed to do. They needed to be a little bit more action and a little bit more fast pace while also planting in some of those bigger plots, uh, plot lines and, and seeds for how everything's going to wrap up. Those, those subtle moments uh, like the phone call and stuff like that yeah. are the moments that you really need to go, OK, that's what's going to play on later on in, in the final two episodes. So, again, like I got that same a little bit of fear of Falcon and Winter Soldier, but I, I think even if it doesn't accomplish on all of those goals, I'm still enjoying it far more than I was with Falcon and Winter Soldier. Because yeah. again, it's not political. It's not. It's just a fun story. And that's ultimately something um, I saw somebody who's kind of become a clip, clickbaiter YouTuber. And I guess you do that when you hit a million subs and you've got to keep that momentum going and everything. But talking about the ratings on this now, I don't know the ratings, okay? I because you know the, now that everything's a streaming service, ratings aren't released to audience, to audiences, or to news outlets or anything. It's purely up to who runs those streaming services and whether or not they're going to renew uh, a program or not. Um, and since this is a mini series, they don't have to worry about it. Six episodes, it's done. Whatever, move on. If it doesn't uh -huh. work, it doesn't work. But they called this, they called it, uh, the, the YouTuber called this show Woke. And uh, I think that 
because there's a female character, a uh, female Hawkeye. And I have to disagree with them. I, I don't think the show is woke. I yeah. don't think the show is trying to push any agenda or any politics or force diversity or anything like that. Uh, I, it is, especially Kate is in the comics, you know, um, yeah. it, it's, it's something that she's been around for a while. I mean, yeah, I guess in the long scheme of things, she's relatively new, but she's liked and she's accepted within the comic book, you know, community that her showing up in the show is is not like it's a forced political agenda or anything like that. It right. it, it, it doesn't feel like I'm being lectured to because yeah, she's good, but we've seen that sh- her, what she's good at is counterbalanced by everything she's bad at, and that he <laughs> is trying to get across Teacher. to her that you have to consider this, you have to think about this, you got to think about coming back to your apartment oh no one saw you but your name is on the you know and you came back there earlier in the day so like you know those those things that she doesn't think about and it's not gender based or anything like that it's what anyone who's a secret agent is used to and trying to convey to someone else who wants to take those things so they were talking about the ratings being being pretty terrible for this but for the most part, I've seen a lot of people talking about it. Everyone's doing their own little YouTube uh, or or podcast reviews like we are. And from what I've seen, most people are enjoying the show. I, I, I Now, Falcon and Winter Soldier, I think our biggest thing was, was it did feel forced politically, and it did feel like it was trying to push some, some type of agenda and lecture people. And, okay, so if you want to call this show woke, well, at least it's not lecturing. You know, it's not... <laughs> It's not telling me I'm I'm a bad person because of my gender or anything like that. It's just, hey, we got this fun, campy story. We got these mm-hmm. two characters, one who most people don't take seriously. Let's shine a light on them and, and show how badass they are or how badass they can be and have fun with it because it's absolutely fun. Again, go back to the ball pit. Like... I, I wouldn't have thought I was would have seen something like that necessarily in an MCU show or, or even in a movie, but it was it was fun. And again, because they played it so straight, like they played that that scene seriously, and that's what led to it being so comedic and so fun. Yeah. Um, and the fight scenes between Maya and Hawkeye, like, okay, she's good, but good only good enough to really stand toe to toe with him. You know, she's not better than him. And uh, again. They do enough more than they ever did for Carol Danvers in establishing a character for her. Right. You know, they showed the adversity that she had in school. And uh, what I loved most about her first scene as a young child, when the teacher's talking and obviously she doesn't have her hearing aids or anything like that, uh, because as she tells Clint not to rely on technology uh, because, you know, she notices the hearing aid. He can only do basic signing. Um, but then, you know, we also see the, the scene of her uh, watching the uh, combatants, the karate kids, you know, and, and learning all the different moves on how they could get beat and uh, how to take someone who's twice her size down easily. And then, we, you know, we jump forward. We see the prosthetic. We see, uh, you know, her taking on grown men. And that's more character development and character setup than Carol Danvers got in a whole movie. You know, it, it just... Well, I, I- Go ahead. I, I, I like that she also uses the leg to her advantage in yeah. the fight with Clint, you know, and you hit the 
hit the and land. He's like, you know, huh? it's, yeah. <laughs> it's not like it's not presented as she can't do anything. She right. obviously can and she uses it to her advantage. Like you use all of your perfections and imperfections to the best of your ability. Right. You and, know, and that's what makes a good character. And and it, and it had nothing to do with the fact that she's a woman. Like, you know, it's not it's yeah. it's just they they show how she earned those skills, how she is so good at what she does. Whereas like, again, harp on Carol Danvers, she just was good. you know, no matter what, she was just perfect. So when it comes to being like super woke and stuff like that, I just, I don't really see it. They're doing their best. This one, I feel like the stretch is to say, Oh, we're doing a female Hawkeye when Kate's like you said, a very established character in the comics. And then maybe it's, it's the wokeness with casting, a deaf actress for Maya, but that kind of just seems a little stupid because the the character's deaf. So why? Well, now see, I'm not, not even familiar with. Uh, I'm character? not even familiar with the character of Echo a whole lot. Um, so I, because I don't know how new or not new she actually is, but you know, yeah, I think that that's like I'm not gonna die on a hill and say that no, uh, you know, non-deaf actors should play deaf characters, yeah. but. I also, at the same time, you get a deaf actress and you get one who has never done anything really before and you get someone who is this actress and she does an amazing job. She's really like, good, yeah. You wouldn't believe she didn't, she couldn't act or she hasn't acted before. Right, and I don't know if, if it's if any reference for anyone out there, but I have watched other shows that specifically have deaf actors in them and... You know, so for me, this isn't anything new of like watching and, and like right. watching them sign yeah. and things like that. So I don't know if that like throws anybody off who's not used to watching um, anything like that or something. I'm like, it shouldn't. There should be no. But I don't know if they're really stretching for that as wokeness. Right. You know, yeah. um, because this show, like, again, it really harping on Falcon and Winter Soldier. But like in comparison to the, the wokeness level, this is like nothing. This yeah, is like it's, zero. it's it's pretty much non-existent. Um, yeah, you know, I don't cause... I don't really know this. This to me definitely feels like you said clickbaity. And this is like what I talk about when I say shock jock. Yeah, because they, they just want your attention. They're not trying to do like what we try to do to do the bad and the good. Be mm-hmm. a critic, not a cynic. Yeah, it's it's really it's really just about I got to get those views and got to keep it the AdSense and whatever so I can keep making my money. And, you know, it's really it doesn't really feel like about what you started for back when you had zero followers. Well, and and I'll um, I'll even counter that with uh, those kind of shock jocks taking a victory lap that the Netflix Cowboy Bebop show was canceled. Now, I because everyone was harping on. Oh, it's woke. Oh, they, you know, wouldn't have, uh, uh, you know, Faye dressed in skimpy clothing and they didn't like the actress who, who was cast as Faye and they're pushing this and they're pushing that and they're pushing this and that. And I've watched like the first three episodes. I've watched the anime, love the anime. And I watched it and I'm like, it's not great from a perspective of being an adaptation of an anime. Yeah. But a lot of the complaints that people were having, again, it's a lot of those preconceived notions or biases where it's like, well, because they changed X, it's now, it's it's irrevocably ruined. You know, yeah. it's like, it, it, you gotta understand it's a different medium. They're trying different things. They want to be faithful, but also make reasonable changes. And I'm sorry, yeah. a woman in a skimpy top and like very skimpy shorts, 
I mean, yeah, it looks good in an anime, but not <laughs> necessarily in practicality in a live action so show. That looks good in an anime, but not in live action. Right. And, well, <laughs> like that is that's probably to me, I think the most difficult thing to bring to live action is a really good anime, mm-hmm. just because uh, you can do so much with. Yeah, two D animation with three D animation, you know, hand drawn. Yeah, you can do so much with that, and then you try to have to make a physical, actual thing for live action for for a lot of stuff. Whether it's just the the art design, the set design, like you were talking about, the costume mm-hmm. design. That it, yeah, it'll look fantastic at a two D animated thing, but then you try and have a real person, and it just looks ridiculous. Like. Mm-hmm. They're going to adapt One Piece as a live action, and that one is going to be, uh, I'm going to call it now, and it's not because of, actually, although I don't see the person that they cast as uh, as Zoro, I don't know if, if he just doesn't look like a Zoro to me, but you know everyone else that they cast I think is fine. I don't have any issues, but it's like Luffy is uh, Mr. Fantastic on steroids. Like The dude can turn himself into a big giant balloon. How are you going to adapt that to live action? So I'm already yeah. expecting the One Piece anime, anime uh, live action anime adaptation to fail because of that and not because of, oh, well, they cast different uh, ethnicities. And because, um, um, God, I'm, I'm blanking on his name. O- Okada, I believe, is the uh, is the writer on it. Um or, you know, of the original anime. He had envisioned each of the different... Um, characters from different uh continents and countries uh like uh i'm trying to think was it luffy was like from brazil zoro's from japan uh i know frankie is from like the u.s because he's a big giant kind of like half human robot um and then like uh you know he had all of these different ideas of what country each individual character represented and that's what they were doing with their casting but people obviously will will like attack it for being that woke level. And I think it's just got to be a thing of reason your expectations. You know, it's got to understand again, that adaptation of 2d and even looking at that, uh, that perspective of, of a comic book, you're adapting 2d art to the big screen and, Mm -hmm. or even to, you know, the little screen with the MCU shows. And, that's like that's why you don't see some of the classic costumes because they don't look, um, you know, great. I mean, they right. managed to do it for Scarlet Witch. Uh, they could probably get away with it for Hawkeye. I, I'm hoping to see maybe some form of that costume. Well, I think with the picture, we're gonna see some form right. of costume, especially right. when they spent that time in the in the apartment with the Larpers talking yeah. about getting materials for costumes and stuff. And I think um, we'll see this. I'm, right. I'm, oh yeah. I'm pointing as if you all can see. I don't know which way do I need to point to, like, oh, maybe this way. Nope, that way. The other way. The other way. Yeah. This way. Yep. There you go. <laughs> to the picture. <laughs> the um, but yeah, it, well, because like the only the only costuming thing that I will I will berate anybody on is uh, the alternate ending to Wolverine um, when he gets on the jet. He gets a suitcase, he opens up the case, and it's the actual Wolverine costume from the comic books. Helmet and all. And the reason they didn't go with that ending was like 60 or 70% of the test audience didn't know that costume. Oh, man. And I'm like, 
I condemn you all <laughs> to purgatory for not knowing well, that costume. That is, that is the thing, though, when you're doing movies and you need to cast a wide, wide net to yeah. make as much money as possible. You know, I, it's easy for us in our little chamber of like, but I know and my friends <laughs> all know to think of like, okay, you know, out of 10 people, three of us know, seven don't, you right. know, like to really try and have more perspective of far more people who don't know than do. Right. But yeah. Yeah. So it, it's one of those things, you know, you've always got to make those, those considerations. I think Hawkeye has, has done a good job of giving Clint do justice for a story outside of just yeah. being the archer in in a back basically a background character almost and, cropped out of the post <laughs> yeah and and then also passing that torch on cuz we've already kind of have gotten the inklings that they're maybe setting up a young avengers either movie or show which i think everyone would be on board to to watch and mm-hmm. This is how you do it. You do those passing of the torch. You introduce these new characters. You may not like them. You may not uh, latch on to them. But just because Kate is a female doesn't mean it's woke. Like, it doesn't mean, yeah. like, they're going, oh, off off with the males. Like, there they go. <laughs> no more. Goodbye, Clint. Bye. Like, you're, you're meaningless and you're nothing. It, it's no. the same thing that kind of comes along with Thor. Um, what's, the, what's the name? Love, Love and Thunder. Thunder. A lot of people are not happy with the whole Jane Foster, uh, you know, taking on the Thor mantle. But I read that run, and I just want to see how they do it for the big screen. That's right. what I want to see. And you know, they want to claim that that's going to be woke and blah 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 blah. But it's like Thor. Does, Thor's not going away right now. Like Thor yeah. is still Thor. She just happens to wield the hammer, and that's always been a thing with the hammer. Is Whosoever holds, you know. What was the the little gr- the green guy, the alien, and he was Thor. He had the hammer. Oh the well, hammer. now there's Beta Ray Bill. Is that who I'm thinking of? He's not I green can't though. But uh, well, then there's I don't know. There's what, somebody else I'm thinking. You're thinking of I don't know, uh, Frog Thor, somebody, right? Well, there was Frog Thor. Maybe I'm thinking of Beta Ray Bill, and I'm yeah. just making him green in my head. Yeah. I don't know, but I was thinking of somebody. It, from one of the cartoons, not not the oldest of the cartoons, but fairly old. Yeah, but Beta Ray Bill was like, one. Many people have have had, like you said, the yeah. hammer and been the power of Thor. Right. Well, know? I mean, and even even Cap lifted it. You know, so right. it's it's uh it's one of those things where it's like, I I get we're in a highly charged political society right now, but you just yeah. try try to separate it. I'll yeah. agree with you when I feel like those things are being like bludgeoning you over the head in in entertainment and i agree it has no place in entertainment but it's not happening in this show it it really isn't and but to keep us from derailing Mm -hmm. really really long time on politics (laughs) i just have a couple of thoughts yeah yeah back on track before we get to scoring i just wanted to just having watched the four episodes of this now and just thinking you know on Jeremy Ritter's version character of Hawkeye in the MCU, as we've seen, mm-hmm. you know, taking aside everything else. I just, I personally really like his character, the way that they've gone. Yes, I felt like he hasn't had enough time in a lot of the movies, but I feel like, you know, when we get to like Age of Ultron, right from there, when he's talking to Wanda, 
we really get to see that he has a very like fatherly mentor yeah. aspect in his personality already. Like he already goes ahead and like advises Wanda, you know, kind of takes her under the wing sort of a thing. Like it's already established that he's that kind of guy. Even back if we want to go to Avengers and, you know, when he made the call to not shoot Natasha, you know, right. talking about that, like he already has this in his personality of like, Yes, he's a weapon, and they pointed him at stuff, but he obviously has enough agency and and thought of what was that like self respect or whatever to not always just do what he's told, right? You know, so one of the heartbreaking things is seeing him being so guilt ridden, thinking about like I'm not a role model, I've killed all these people, you know, things like that. When you're like, but you are like a good person, you do think about things, you have made decisions, you know. But I do like seeing his kind of character because when we think about the context of like all just like the the original Avengers, you know, we got Tony's like every freaking where yeah. with his personality, you know, and Cap is like definitely the fish out of water and old, but starting to come to new, you know, he Hawkeye is like the steady human element, just like steady, good person thinks about things, you know, so I just, I like that he's already had the establishment of kind of being a mentor already in that very fatherly sort of way so that it feels really natural at this point from his story, as we've seen it in the MCU to be like, you know what, I'm getting up there. My kids, you know, however old Nathaniel is like, he wants to be there maybe more, you know, for, I don't know, Lila like she's and Cooper, they're teenagers at least. Yeah. I'd say like, like 15, 16, somewhere around that range. He's already lost five years with his entire family and just got them back. It it really does feel like a natural spot in his character's story arc to be like, this is where I'm going to, I care about this person because she's in trouble. I want to get her out of the trouble. It's trouble I feel like I've caused because of the Ronin suit. Mm -hmm. I'm going to mentor her through this arc. And then I'm going to slowly step, you know, take the steps backwards and she's going to go forward. This is going to be my protege to go on and be Hawkeye. Like for his arc, if you kind of step back and just look at the whole thing, you know, the 30,000 foot view, it, it feels really on character for him. It doesn't feel like it's coming out of the blue right. or like we're just pushing him to the side or anything like that. Like if that's pretty much what happens and then we really only see him in cameos for like, We've got to call every freaking Avenger that ever lived, you know, whenever the next big bad comes in and we see him there. I would be fine with that because I feel like his his story will be satisfied, you know, for an ending. I won't I'll say right now, I won't like it if Yelena does end up killing him in right. this. Like, but as far as just his character and like that big 30,000 foot view, I feel like it's it's on on character. It makes sense. You know, it's a good way to wrap up. It's a good way to transition out the old actors with the new actors. Right. Like, no, nothing about it feels wokey or pushed or forced or like, well, it's time to just get rid of this person or this person decided their contract's over and they're not coming back. You know, there's nothing about this that feels that way to me. Well, I want to hit on a couple points you, you made there uh, that I think, um, one, I don't think Yelena is going to, to kill him. Um, I don't I think, think so, but if they want to do a turn, I well, don't want it to so be So I think what's going to happen is they're going to get into a moment, and she's going to you know, obviously make the claim, well, you killed my sister, and he's going to explain how Nat how saved him you know, and, and, yeah. and brought his family back and sacrificed herself. And that will 
ultimately, hopefully, win her over. Um, as for also that whole thing from the, you know, the whole kind of self-doubt angle, I think by the end of it, Kate is going to uh, to revive that bit of hope back into him as well, where, you know, you are a role model, you are a teacher, you are a mentor, you are a good person, um, just because of her, again, from her bubbly optimism and, wow. uh, you know, and, and trying to, because I, I, again, it's his, it's his guilt. It's his guilt uh, of being really? Ronin for five years that is ultimately driving kind of his character motivation. And it's only going on this adventure with Kate that he's getting really back to the Clint he was before Endgame, mm-hmm. um, or before Infinity War, or whatever you wanna, whatever you wanna say. Yeah, Infinity. Um, yeah. So it, it, it is. Uh, I think it's going to end well. I'm really excited for the final two episodes. Um, I again, yeah, I don't feel like anything's being pushed. I don't feel like they're, you know, someone's, you know, holding, you know, a gun to their head and going, okay, you have to phase out these characters because, yeah. you know, we need to fit this force to diversity or anything like that. I think it's they're doing what they're doing best and they're telling good stories. And yeah, they're doing yeah. those things where they're, like you said, when you put it in that perspective of his character arc throughout the films, it really does make sense. And it, and mm-hmm. it does work. Because how many times is he going to, you know, leave his family? We talked about the conversation right. with, with uh, Nate and how heartbroken he was, one, not to be able to hear his son's voice, mm-hmm. but also trying to comfort his son. And his son being like, yeah, we get it. Like, we understand if you can't, yeah. you know, come home. Like, we, it's okay. And, you know if you're a father and I'm, I mean, I'm not a father or anything, but it, it, it's gotta hurt to hear that from your own son that it's okay. They understand if you can't come home for Christmas, you know? Yeah. So, well, I, and because Kate gets to experience that too, when they're having that chat mm. and she decides that she's going to go like have a little Christmas cheer with him. Yeah. <laughs> then yeah. we have that little Christmas party, sort of a scene, you know? Yeah. It, it's just, it's, it's, it's really hitting on those themes of family, um, mm-hmm. uh, of regret, of guilt, and uh, and 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 the past. And so, yeah, I'm re- I'm really excited. Uh, I, again, like that's that's the difference between this and Falcon Soldier or Falcon and Winter Soldier. Um, <laughs> that you know where we were concerned with plot points and storylines because it wasn't the even the central story itself was just not compelling enough to really. Yeah for us to overlook those faults. Whereas, okay, they may not be able to wrap up everything perfectly with a Christmas bow, but it's going to still end in a way that I'm going to be like, I could easily watch this again. Yeah. You know, whereas yeah. Falcon and Winter Soldier, I think it's going to be a, I guess I'm going to sit down and watch Falcon and Winter Soldier. You know, it's, it's I might <laughs> never watch it again. Yeah. I really have no uh, other than like, I'd like to see Sam in the suit again. Like I have no, real compulsion to go yeah i want to revisit it you know maybe i will down the road especially the further we get away like as soon as things kind of quiet down on the the political front out in the real world and stuff i might be able to then reevaluate it at a, at a later time much like i did with uh, captain marvel um even though i still have my strong dislikes about the film when i We're revisit not there it, yet. right well when i revisited it later you know, and and did it uh, did a second review uh, well before you you started joining the podcast. Uh, 
I was like, okay, it wasn't as bad as my initial reaction. So the further we get away from the kind of charged times that those things come out, the the easier they are to to digest and and watch. But let's go ahead and wrap this up uh, and give our scores for episodes three and four. Unless you want to do one total score, since we kind of let's, viewed it let's as just one. Do, well, I think we did a total score last time did too. We? So, okay. Yeah, I would land on a four for these. Mm. Just like a just a solid four. I don't feel outstanding, just because it. I mean, it's the middle. It's right. the plateau. Right. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna go down that hill in the next two. <laughs> right. <laughs> so I, I feel like a solid four is a good spot for them to be in. That's that's probably what I give it to. Like I I can't go any higher. I can't go any lower. Um, yeah. You know there are those things uh, that I have some concerns about, but again. I think it's going to do its best to try to wrap up all those little plot lines and mysteries. Uh, and even if it doesn't, I think it's still going to do a fine job uh, finishing Clint's yeah. story and uh, showing us where Kate's going to go in the future. Yeah. Uh, so I think that's going to do it for this week's episode of the podcast. Of course, I forgot to do our little beginning spiel about like commenting, sharing, subscribing, <laughs> All that wonderful stuff that every YouTuber asks, uh, asks their if audience to do. If you want to argue with us, yes, we'll put feel it up free here. to argue with us. Also, we uh, we do now pretty much. I've determined that uh, we do live stream uh, some video game content. For now, we've had some stuff in the works about what what we might do outside of just video games. I know at some point we would like to do maybe a, a once a week. Um, live podcast episode primarily more for bigger release films uh that we want to cover for the show and if everyone's schedule kind of lends to it so we'll we'll see what that happens but we that's the hardest part (laughs) that absolutely we are live streaming though uh regularly because it's pretty much just me and someone who may want to join uh like pat or johnny uh from saturdays eight to ten usually game streams uh we're supposed to be getting back to House of uh, House of Ashes, but mm, there's been some scheduling snafus there. So I'll find some random game. I've got plenty that I've gotten on some Steam sales. So uh, come check us out. Join us in the chat. Uh, it's always fun to to engage with everyone, uh, whether they're in the chat or on the stream. So uh, and then of course, as always, follow us on any of our social media platforms: Facebook, Twitter. All that stuff's going to be in the comments below or in the description below, rather. And uh, you can write into the podcast at criticsnotcynics at gmail.com. Audio, obviously, we're on you know, Podbean, iTunes, SoundCloud. All that stuff's going to be in the description below. And we will talk to you guys next time.